And welcome back to another episode of Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 156, season 3, episode 47, the last weekend of the Hebrew calendar year. Next weekend begins the next calendar year. The holiday of the new year, Rosh Hashanah, is next weekend. So this week, with the portion, double portion known as Nitzavim Vayelech, the fourth and third to last of the five books of Moses, ends out this calendar year. What a year it has been. Truly, on many levels. And what a year, what a year the coming year portends and hopes to be for all of us. So at the outset, before we get into anything specific about this week's topic, a blessing from a simple person that you have a happy, healthy, successful, joyous year ahead and that all that you wish for and all that you pray for and all that you're looking to accomplish is accomplished. There's a sense of pride and a sense of joy and a sense of contentment in all the things that you have ahead of you. Okay, this week's topic is the topic of living. What does that mean exactly? It's living as opposed to simply being alive. I want, and I hope that you want, and I would like that everyone else also would want, that when people look at them or they look at their own lives, they should be viewed as being lived, as opposed to simply just being alive. What do I mean? Being alive means that you're breathing. Living means what it is that you're doing with each one of those breaths. I saw this in a really, I think, beautiful article. It's a, sort of a contemplation, I think, and this may actually be one as well this week uh, here on Coaching with the Bible. There are a lot of people who are alive. They breathe. They get up every morning. They eat three meals a day. They go to work. They come home. They go back to sleep. But they're not living. Living is seeking moments and using each one of those breaths to have moments in life. I saw a great quote, I don't remember it exactly, basically to paraphrase, simply the idea that there are so many people who have not realized that even though they're still technically alive, are already effectively accounted among the dead because they're not living. And I heard a quote from someone else. Again, I don't remember, in this case, I don't remember who it was. I've been sort of contemplating this topic for an extended period of time, honestly. And the quote was basically, you may be alive, but you ain't living. And I think that that is unfortunately and sadly true for a lot of people, maybe a lot of people around us, and maybe, hopefully not, some of the people who are part of the audience that, live, that listens here to Coaching with the Bible each week. And so it's important for us to sort of think about 
how we are living. And not just simply that we're alive. We are given a certain number of days in our lives. You can count the moments, you can count the seconds, you can count the hours, you can count the days, the weeks, the months, the years. It's not something that we know the length of. It's an unknown. But we do know that time is always the greatest of victors because time always wins. We always run out of time. I know it's a little bit morbid for a second here. But we do run out of time. We just don't know when. We don't know how, usually. And so it's incumbent upon us and really required of us that in the time that we have, that we use it to the best of our abilities, we make the most of it while we have it, and that we live it at every moment. Technically speaking, there are actually things scientifically that are alive but are not living. So the scientists will differentiate between consciousness and non-consciousness or certain kinds of viruses and bacteria and sort of describe that those things are technically speaking alive, but they're not living. That is not our focus today. The focus today is you and me and us and appreciating the moments when we're simply just alive and going through the motions and when it is that we're actually living, when it actually feels like there is blood coursing through our veins and there is consciousness and life running through us at every moment. Some people get that through thrill-seeking. Admittedly, I like a good roller coaster. I do. Sometimes, at least in the old days, I used to like a good horror movie. I used to occasionally like to be scared out of my mind watching those movies. And when you wonder about what the thrill-seeker is actually seeking, so there's actually, of course, like everything else, research on the subject. Right? The thrill-seeker is seeking some sort of an adventure. They are letting that terror in the moment, this comes from a researcher known by the name Margaret King, that the terror is giving the person a chance to test themselves, their level of tolerance, wondering whether or not we can actually get through it. The idea that we're in some sort of imminent danger, that the body is screaming at us, that we're headed in the wrong direction, that we're headed in some sort of bad direction, that this is dangerous, this is precarious, this is something we should not nor want to be in, and yet we are, and that thrill that comes out of sort of getting through that, because we know that we can't get off the roller coaster, is a massive rush of adrenaline. And so when people come off the roller coaster, she writes, they're bouncing and they're excited and they're thrilled most of the time. Except if you remember sort of Phil Dunphy in that moment where he tried to thrill seek perhaps at an age when he was too old and he comes fumbling, mumbling and stumbling off of that roller coaster. I imagine that at this stage in my life, I'm not sure that I would enjoy the roller coasters as much as I used to. But I do enjoy living. And I do enjoy sort of the occasional moment of thrill. You know, I contemplated this year for my birthday skydiving because, A, I think it would be phenomenal and fantastic to see, and one of our children did do so, and I think others would like to, um, but it is something that 
from the visual, it seems to be breathtaking. But obviously, I think part of it for me is the thrill of that first moment having leapt out of a plane. So there is something to that. And when that rush sort of goes through you, that is that sense that you are, in fact, living. But the truth is, for many of us, we spend too much of our time in our lives not living. There's a famous quote from Seneca. Seneca was one of the Stoics. It's very popular, again, uh, as is uh, Marcus Aurelius. And Stoicism has made a massive comeback in the last couple of years. So Seneca is one of the Stoics. Seneca was the tutor of Nero, if you remember Nero. Nero is one of the uh, Caesars, uh, one of the emperors in the, in the first century. From a Jewish history perspective, and I think a lot of the time we always seem to look at things from the Jewish history perspective, he's connected and related to the second temple destruction. So Seneca is not, but he is a tutor and a philosopher and a teacher at the time. And people now are rereading his works and quoting his, his texts. And so what he writes is, Living is the least important activity of the preoccupied man, yet there is nothing which is harder to learn. People who are preoccupied, people who have so much else going on, people who are not focused on the moment, the present, the here and the now, are not living. But at the same time, learning how to live is one of the hardest things to do. And so he also writes that a person who you see that has white hair and wrinkles, you should not think that that person has lived long. He has not lived long. He has simply existed long. Existing is, in my book or in the context of today's conversation, synonymous with being alive. This person exists, but they're not living. And so we have to think about how it is that we are going about our days. How are we living? The reason this comes up in the biblical context this week is because the Bible is actually pretty direct about this subject. In the Bible this week, the 30th chapter, the book of Deuteronomy, Moses is standing before the people and he talks about that he's handing before them a choice. In verse 15, Moses says, See that I have handed before you, I have given before you today life and good and death and bad. And it talks on for a couple of minutes about both sides of that coin. And in verse 19, he says, You should choose life so that you and your children and your offspring should live. It's an odd text. It's an odd text. I have to be chose, I have to be told to choose life? Of course I'm gonna choose life. I heard earlier today, I was listening to a talk from Rabbi Asher Weiss. Is, Rabbi Asher Weiss is a contemporary living today in Jerusalem here He's a massive, massive scholar. It's a really, truly inspiring and, and, and righteous person. 
And so in a talk that he gave this week, he mentions the idea that the idea of choosing life, he's quoting from an earlier text known as The Gates of Repentance. And in that book, the author, known as Rabbeinu Yonas, I just quoted a few people at the same time very quickly there, so anyway, says that choosing life is a positive commandment. You are commanded, it is a commandment, you fulfill the commandment, a commandment by choosing life. Now, in the specific context there, it's relating to repentance, but it's interesting in and of itself, the idea that choosing life should in any way, shape, or form be some sort of a positive commandment that we have to contemplate or consider the opposite. What does that mean that I'm going to choose the opposite? I'm going to choose the opposite? I'm going to choose death? So first and foremost, it's really important to appreciate that the Bible is requiring of us and forcing us you have to choose. I read somewhere else, there were Bayol Teitelbaum, who was the first rabbi of the Satmer community, I think he's the first, says, the Bible doesn't allow you to have it both ways. You must choose. There are certain moments when you are forced to make a decision. You must choose. And indecision is a decision. So if you're sitting on the fence, hemming and hawing about how you want to go about this, whether you want to just simply be alive or you want to live or you want to choose life or not choose life, not choosing is also a choice. But you must choose. And so the question then becomes then, what am I choosing? What does it mean that I have to choose life? And so when you look through a lot of the commentaries, a lot of the commentaries, across the spectrum over the course of centuries, And then you look at the contemporary world in which we live in right now. There are many people who are existing. They are not choosing life. They're not living. They're alive. And in a lot of cases, even perhaps worse and more sad, they don't even know it. And so they're that dictum, like we mentioned before. They may be alive, but they ain't living. And so we have to choose life. Now, in the biblical sense, choosing life means choosing a life of faith, a life of observance, a life in servitude to God, a life in fulfillment of the commandments, a life of learning. Those are all in the space of choosing life. Choice of life or choosing those things, choosing good in the context of the Bible is effectively choosing life. It leads to that. The bigger goal is choosing life, but we have to do that, and it's a choice. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, in Covenant Conversation, one of the articles in this week's portion, states that the idea of free will, people having the ability to choose and how to live, choosing how to live, he writes, is the 14th principle of faith of Maimonides. It's a very interesting uh, article, but... Choice, choosing to live, living, is in fact a choice and it is in fact an article of faith. It's a principle of faith. So we have to choose life. And it's not simply choosing to have longer days. I've been watching over the last few days this new documentary on the Blue Zones. Blue Zones are the five areas in the world where the most centenarians live. 
So where people live the longest. There are five locations around the world. And this researcher, National Geographic uh, researcher, has sort of gone to each of those zones to, to find out, figure out what are the secrets of longevity? Why are these people... Why have these people lived the longest? The Talmud also discusses the, the idea of well, how did you live so long, right? In many, many, in multiple places in the Talmud, uh, there, are, there are discussions between uh, rabbis, teachers, and their students about how it is or why it was that a certain person lived so long. Or what was the secret to that long life? And so in the Blue Zones, there's a whole set of things. It's, it, it, it's a very interesting very interesting documentary. And part of living there is certain foods are secrets to living, but it's sort of more about way of life. That's, that, that makes it sort of living. And in what he finds very much, these people are not simply just existing for 90, 100 years. They're living. They're part and parcel of the community. They are with other people. They're experiencing life together. They are celebrating. They are enjoying their moments together. They're living life with other people. And so it is, again, this notion that as we get to this space, when the truth is, as we come into the new year, very much about how we think about the holiday of the new year is requesting, beseeching, begging God for more time, begging God for a better year ahead. And so the truth is, according to Rabbi Sachs, is that we have to choose to live a certain way. And the Bible is saying we have to choose to live life and it's a choice that we get to make. And the question is, how are you living life? And if you're not, if you're looking at your circumstance or thinking about how you're at at the moment and you feel like you're just simply alive, that is better than the alternative. Being alive is an opportunity to start living but it is the choices that we make and the risks that we're willing to take and the regrets that we're willing to have. We've talked about it here on Coaching with the Bible many, many times that life is fraught with risk. Every decision we make and every decision we don't make has risk attached to it. There's a risk assessment attached to every single one of those, big and small. And it becomes a question of what risks we're willing to take what risks we're willing to live with, and admittedly on some level, what failures potentially we're willing to accept in our lives. To take it one step further, the same thing is true about regrets. What are the regrets that we're willing to live with by making the decisions and the choices to live a certain way, to breathe and be and exist in the world in a certain manner, and how it is that we show up at certain moments or at every moment in life? Because if we do it a certain way, we might regret having not done it a different way. And that's part of life. Life is full of choices. Life is full of risk. Life is full of regrets. But life surely should be about living. And so I'd ask the question today for you, which is this, which is simply, how are you living? Are you living? Are you enjoying life? Are you taking time to smell the fresh air? Are you taking time to take in some beautiful landscape? Are you taking the time to appreciate the people that are around you? 
Are you taking the time to be with the people that you want to be with in your life? Are you looking at how you're spending your time? Because you are spending the time. We are spending that time every day. We're spending time. And so it's a question of, if I'm spending the time in the way that I want to be spending it, am I using the days that I have in front of me, in front of me, to to build a life and a legacy and an experiential life of joy that I have, so I'm using it a certain way in the right way. And so I'm not regretting that. And that's what I would, I would want us to think about. I would, I would, in playing the role of coach for you this week, is very much this idea here about thinking about these things. It's not to cause you any grief. It's not to cause you any pain. It's the exact opposite. It's to give you the opportunity, call it the permission slip. I mentioned, I think, once early on in Coaching with the Bible from Brene Brown that she, on occasion, would write herself permission slips to think a certain way and to act a certain way. So here's a permission slip to contemplate and to consider and to think about how it is that you are alive and how it is that you're living. And if when you're thinking about it, it skews a certain way towards, quote unquote, simply being alive. So take that for what it is and look at how it is that they shift from being alive to living. And give you a couple of examples here from that article I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's called The Difference Between Being Alive and Living Your Life. It should be more than just breathing. Here it says like this. Being alive is breathing. Truly living is forgetting to exhale. Being alive is a pulse. Truly living is a racing heart. Being alive is a state. Truly living is crossing all of them. Being alive is easy. Truly living is hard to give up. Being alive is a gift. Truly living is being present. Being alive is watchful eyes. Truly living is never closing them. Being alive is in your skin. Truly living is jumping out of it. Being alive is day to day. Truly living is sunrises by sunsets. Being alive is comfortable. Truly living is breaking comfort zones. Being alive is free. Truly living means spending every minute. Being alive is doing your part. Truly living is having a million. Being alive is understood. Truly living is always seeking answers. Let us not be simply content with being alive. Let us seek the thrill of living. Let's consider what it is that the last year has been for us and how we might have lived it. Let's be honest about it. Let's not judge it. Let's simply contemplate it and look at it and seek out ways that we can move from being alive to being into the space of living, to going from what was perhaps a good year to an amazing year. And so that we can then understand and appreciate sort of this idea that life is for the living and that our time is for the using and our time is for the spending in the best ways possible. To finish with a quote, this is a quote from Helen Keller, life is a daring adventure or it is nothing. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. All those of you who are celebrating in the coming week, the new year, happy new year to all of you, like I mentioned at the beginning, a blessed year, 
a joyous year, a happy year, a healthy year, successful year in every one of your endeavors. See you next week.